Friday. It's lunchtime. I'm Rob Port here with you to guide you through your lunch hour. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. This is the Rob Report on 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM. Nitil, how's it going? It is going great. It's Friday. I'm very happy for a Friday. Looking forward to the weekend. I am looking forward to the weekend, too. As it turns out, I am going to have some free time this weekend. I am sans kids. Ooh. And uh, a little bit, uh, yeah. And I'm not sure what I'm going to do with my time. You know, I have some um, I have some books I want to read. I got some walking I want to do. Uh, the Yankees are one win away from the World Series, so I'm excited about that. We play tonight, so I'm going to be watching that. But I also... I want to watch some TV this weekend, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be asking the audience for some recommendations for what to binge watch. You know, because I've got the streaming service, the same as everybody else mostly. Uh, what's everybody watching? I I I want to I want to find some hidden gems out there. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the program. Uh, no guests today, so completely open phones. You got to call in whatever you want to talk about. Um, Natil, I, I had to laugh. There there was a letter to the editor this morning, and it was a, it was a rapid response letter. It made me kind of laugh. Um, early this morning, I wrote a post about Senator Heidi Heitkamp's uh, third quarter fundraising. Right? Obviously, we're on the uh, we're on the cusp of a what, what promises to be a, a pretty heated election year, and uh, Senator Heitkamp has all of this year been touting her fundraising because she's been putting up putting up some pretty big numbers. I think she's got something like four million dollars in the bank right now. Um, she's she's building a war chest. Uh, now, people like me have been pointing out a lot. Most of it's coming from out of state. Um, in the first quarter of 2017, she got just 6.8% of her campaign cash from North Dakotans. In the second quarter, she got just 5.5% from North Dakotans. Uh, in, in the just completed quarter, uh, it's called the October quarterly, just completed it. It has fundraising through September 30th. Uh, Heitkamp got just 3% of her itemized individual contributions from North Dakotans. Now, that's not counting, obviously, the, the money that comes from groups and stuff. It's hard to do. This is just the itemized contributions from individuals, just 3% coming from actual North Dakotans. Now, what's interesting about that is I actually went through the list. Uh, in total, she got, as an exact dollar figure, $21,318 from North Dakotans out of a out of a, a quarter of fundraising that was over a million dollars, just twenty-one thousand came from North Dakotans, uh, as compared to one hundred ninety-one thousand that came from New Yorkers and one hundred twenty-four thousand uh, that came from Californians. I I think it's I, I I don't know I think it's kind of funny, um, particularly for a senator. I don't know if a lot of people remember this. Uh, earlier this year, actually received a an award from a left-wing group called End Citizens United, a reference to the Supreme Court uh, decision which held that money, uh, political spending, is protected political speech, which, by the way, I agree with. They don't agree with it. I think as free citizens we could spend our money in pursuit of uh, whatever uh, for or against whatever candidates we want or for or against whatever political issues we want. It's our money. We should be free to spend it as in pursuit of our political goals as we see fit. Uh, so anyway... What's funny is is that she actually took more Senator Hankip actually took more money from employees of Goldman Sachs than she did from North Dakotans. Thirty nine thousand six hundred dollars from Goldman Sachs employees, twenty one thousand three hundred eighteen dollars from North Dakotans. The point not being that there's necessarily anything wrong with taking money from Goldman Sachs employees. They can spend their money how they want if they want to give it uh, to our senator to help reelect her. Then I guess it's a free country. Uh, but more to highlight just how little financial backing Senator Heitkamp's getting from North Dakotans. 
pretty amazing, worth pointing out. I should note that uh, State her uh, Senator Heitkamp's only announced opponent so far, uh, Tom Campbell, did also file his first quarterly report. As of this morning, when I was writing all this, uh, the uh, the reports weren't available online yet from the FEC. So as soon as that's available, we can do a dive through those numbers. But for now, Senator Heitkamp's numbers all we've got. Uh, she's been hyping it by leaking it to her her mouthpieces in the media. Uh, you know the top level numbers, but they're not drilling down into this. I, I don't know, Natil. I, I don't think it looks good when you want to get elected from a state. And I, I mean, listen, a lot of times incumbents will get more money from out of state than they do from in state. That happens. Not infrequently in North Dakota, and I don't know that any election has ever hinged on that issue, but I don't know. When you're getting 90% of your money in a quarter from out of state, and you're you're getting so little money from North Dakotans that Goldman Sachs employees are giving more money, I don't think it's a good look, particularly from somebody uh, like Senator Heitkamp who claims she wants to drive big money out of politics. Uh, It looks a little hypocritical, I think. I don't think you're wrong in that. It's... And it's 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 hard because I understand that she recognizes that this is going to be a very difficult election. And I personally would like to see Heidi Heidkamp continue to work in the Senate because I think that she does yeah, a very right. good job at representing her constituents, despite how difficult it must be for her as a Democrat representing a <laughs> largely Republican state. I, I'm sorry. I, that just made me laugh. Like how difficult it must be that she has to associate herself with the Democratic Party. Well, no, because I'm I'm sure that her her Democratic colleagues just no, I, sometimes just can't ha- just can't stand that she doesn't side with them all the time. Well, I well, I mean, let's let, well, let's face it. A lot of the a lot of the issues that Democrats nationally prioritize are not winners in North Dakota. No, they're really not. They're just not. Uh, so you're right. I, I you're right. Uh, she is. She's very good at navigating those political waters, no doubt about it. But anyway, I, I think this is valid stuff to write about. There's oh, a reason why yeah. we report this financial stuff. There's a reason why, uh, you know, it's out there. And I think the fact that she got, you know, 21000 from North Dakotans and almost 40000 from Goldman Sachs employees, I think that's noteworthy. Um, so anyway, I put it out there. There was a, and immediately, like, like within hours of my, my post going up, there was a letter to the editor uh, from... Shari, Sherry Jones, uh, and she writes, So Rob Port's obsession continues with Senator Heidi Heitkamp. This time he is complaining that she has received more money from outside sources than from North Dakotans. Um, And she she just kind of rips me, and she says that my besties, John Hoven and and Kevin Kramer, are just as guilty of getting campaign money from outside sources. Although I would note that I don't think that they've ever been this extreme. Like, I, I think sometimes that those those guys, I, and I've been looking at these reports for years. Yes, sometimes they do get a majority of their money from out of state. Usually it's like 60%, 70%, not 97%. I mean, we, we're talking about a degree of difference there. Um, Senator Hoven's not on the ballot, obviously, this year. Uh, Kevin Kramer hasn't announced a reelection campaign for the House or the Senate yet. Uh, and I don't, I don't know that his FEC report. Anyway, he's not, he's not running against Heidi Heitkamp. What I thought was really funny though, is I'm, I'm getting blasted by this apparent Heitkamp supporter for talking about Senator Heitkamp's out of state money. Guess where she's from, Natil? Out of state, Minnesota? <laughs> Moorhead, Minnesota. Ah, there we go. I, I, so I just, I just thought that was hilarious. Like, uh, stop complaining about Senator Heitkamp's out of state money, says out of state Heitkamp supporter. I'm easily amused. 
Uh, all right, we're going to come back. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. What do you think of all these numbers? Do you care about them? Do you not care about them? I'd love to hear from you. Email me to talk at WDAY.com or uh, tweet me at Rob Port. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Until during the commercial break, I turned on Twitter for the first time today. You mean you I, I, it I've been, you checked it for the first time today? Yeah, I. You know, I. I get a lot of tweets. I get a lot of messages. Oh, so you, you turn your push notifications on and off? Uh, yeah, yeah. Basically, I, I I get a lot of stuff coming my day, and so when I'm bearing down, and and actually I didn't even turn them on. I I closed TweetDeck in my browser. Basically, is what I did. Uh-huh. Uh Because I, I had a bunch of writing and phone calls and stuff I wanted to do. And I didn't want to get sucked into social media, so I turned all that stuff off all morning. I just turned it on, and lo and behold, after the post I was just talking about uh, with Senator Heitkamp getting ninety percent of sat ninety seven percent of her quarter one itemized individual contributions from out of state, and actually getting more money from Goldman Sachs employees than. North Dakotans in, in, in reportable individual contributions. Um, I actually got, got some tweets from Senator Heitkamp's uh, press secretary for her campaign. Now, th- this is interesting oh. to me. This guy's named Sean Higgins. Uh, and it's, it's interesting to me that Heitkamp's people are actually engaging me for once. Right? Because this is, this is like the first time they've ever done that. I, I've been writing about politics in North Dakota for 14 years. Never once have I even received so much as a reply to a request for an interview, a request to be put on a press release list, a request for comment. Never even so much as a reply from Senator Heitkamp's campaign or her or her office. Never. But all of a sudden today, I'm on there and he's tweeting at me because he's upset because uh, and this is this is like a years old story now. Kevin Kramer's wife, Chris, is on his campaign payroll. Uh, and she does like scheduling and stuff with him, which I actually know because a lot of times when I schedule, when I reach out to the congressman for uh, to schedule interviews or to get a comment or whatever, a lot of that sometimes goes through Chris when it's through the campaign. So she's a paid member of his campaign. That's all disclosed and everything that's been out there. Democrats tried to make an issue of it, I think, a couple of cycles ago now. So he's tweeting that at me today. Uh, and I guess I guess if, if if I was working for a campaign that just had to put up a report, a fundraising report like they just did, showing 97% of the money coming out of from out of state, more money from Goldman Sachs and from North Dakota employees in reportable individual incomes, I guess I'd want to change the subject to a years old story too. So, but but at least I'm just ecstatic that they they're they're actually engaging. Maybe maybe we could finally get Senator Heitkamp to come on this radio program. Instead of just, you know, engaging in nepotism and just going on the shows of people who are going to loft her softball questions, she might actually engage with a critic for once. Maybe we could make that happen. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. Caller, Tom, you're up. Yeah, hi, Rob. Uh, as far as her getting money, less money from North Dakota, maybe that speaks volumes about uh, people in North Dakota that are not supporting, uh, you know, Money from outside, uh, money like uh, the uh, um, um, Citizens United thing. Well, they're not supporting that. Heck, why? Uh, you know. Uh, what? What? Well, I, I, I have no idea. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to follow your logic. Like, uh, 
No, but are we gonna? Is she gonna be a puppet uh, like uh, like the Koch brothers puppet? Or what, is she getting any money from the Koch brothers, or, or what? How's that work? Uh, well, I, I, don't, I, I mean, I mean, yeah, I, I, I read. Really, get a bunch of puppets <laughs> in Congress that can't even write their own legislation. I love, I love, it, I love it when Tom calls in and we get like a we get like a progressive talking point word salad, right? I, I'm not even sure what logic there is there. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't even know what point you're trying to make, Tom. I, I, well, here, I, listen to this. If if you if the if you if you think Citizens United is is a, is a great deal, then uh, then I guess you support the politicians that are just nothing but puppets for like the Koch brothers and billionaires. No, I think I think uh, that we live in a free country. Like- I think we live in a free country, and I think every individual in the United States. Uh, whether directly as an individual or through some group, whether it's a labor union or a political activist group or whatever it is, should be allowed to spend their political money as they want. They should be able to, to give the money to the to the politicians to help with reelection. They should be able to spend money on ads for or against issues or legislation or whatever. That's what it means to live in a free country. And I think restrictions on that activity are restrictions on political speech. And I, I think, I think, I think it all ought to be disclosed. I think we could do better. I think we, especially in this digital age, I think we could do more frequent disclosures, more thorough disclosures. I think every penny given to politicians ought to be disclosed. And if there's some money uh, that you think there's some sort of a quid pro quo relationship between a moneyed interest and a politician, then the disclosures will help you point that out. But the idea that we can just erase money from politics is absurd. Not only can we not do it, we shouldn't do it. Because it's a free country, Tom. Well, you got to look at it this way. Is it, when was the last time a corporation was put in jail? Is that huh? free speech just money is speech? Is money speech? Yes, money is speech. It, 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 oh, it is, according to law now. But yeah. that's only because of... Well, acor- the, according, the, according the, also, I mean... The if... Supreme Court decided to have it that way. Yeah. I don't agree. It's the, the reason why this state's in such terrible shape... $11 billion in debt, but we even have a whole bunch of money, supposedly, from oil. It's because we got a whole bunch of Republican puppets in office. I don't think, I don't think, many, I don't, I don't think there's a lot of people, people of who office. would agree with you on that. I, I don't think there's a lot of people who would agree with you. I think North Dakota's doing pretty good. And the fact that Republicans well, continue Dakota to win one election was, after it, another. It, Fargo isn't doing so terribly bad, but it's kept on growing regardless of whether there was oil out west or not. Yeah, well, so western North Dakota's not doing that bad either. But it's a terrible place to live in Fargo now. I'm thinking about moving on here. I thought you said Fargo wasn't doing that property bad. Taxes, 60% uh, let's of let's let Tom go. Tom, Tom's, Tom doesn't, Tom's rambling. Uh, let's sneak in Scott here before we take a break. Go ahead, Scott. What's up? Hey, Rob. I uh, appreciate your show. Sure. Hey, I, I got a question. Um, all right. And I don't know all the answers to this, but I, a couple years ago, there was this whole thing about voter ID and having, okay. uh, having an ID to vote and... and I think it was uh, Senator Heitkamp and some other Democrats were all up in arms because the Native Americans, you know, they don't have IDs up there. They are, well, you know what? Uh, my my offer at the time was, why doesn't she work with the Native American people because she's so close to them uh, to help them get IDs? You know, that's what, that's the point. That's the point I made because there, there was actually a lawsuit. I got to drop you, Scott, because we got to go into a break. But but to your point, there was actually a lawsuit that struck down. 
North Dakota's voter ID laws from the 2015 session. Now, in the 2017 session, they actually came back and and did some work on that. And I I don't know where that's going to go in terms of litigation. But that lawsuit was filed by Native Americans in a federal court found uh, that that their claims that they had difficulty getting state IDs, they found uh, a a degree of legitimacy in that. Now, I think rather than loosening our ID laws, we ought to do exactly what Scott's saying, have outreach into the tribal communities. Send, like, mobile DOT offices into the tribal communities to issue IDs and to issue licenses and do all the other things that the DMV does. Solve the problem that way instead of making our ballots more vulnerable. Got to go to a break. This is the Rob Report on 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM. We'll be right back. Your love? There's an I in there, too. Moiv. I just caught that out of the corner of my eye. I was like, what? Moiv. Your And Natil and I, during the show, because we're not in the same location, she instant messaged me, uh, like when callers and stuff are on. And she always tells me when I'm live to remind me in case I'm doing Twitter battles or whatever. Or, you know, to make sure that you're not talking at someone while I hit your mic because I can't see you. Yeah, that's true. Um, So, anyway, she wrote uh, your love. No, there's an I in it. It says live. Live? (laughs) I got the I in there. I just apparently also hit O when I was typing quickly. All right. All right. That's your story. Stick to it. 701-293. I will screenshot this and paste it all over the internet to prove my point. I have real proof. 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329, 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, Senator Heidi Heitkamp's uh, press secretary for her campaign calling me out on Twitter today. Uh, and I think it's just funny, like, because, again, Senator Heitkamp's people never respond to me. Never. Like, I, I send in requests for comments. I send in requests for responses. I send in requests for interviews. Never. Not in the entire six years of her term in the Senate. Not during the, the year, roughly year of her campaign. Never. Um, it's just, it's just never happened. So, uh, all of a sudden today I'm writing about Senator Heitkamp's third quarter fundraising and the fact that she got more money from Goldman Sachs employees and itemized individual contributions than she did from North Dakotans. And all of a sudden her press secretary is responding to me, but not about that. He's upset that I didn't, haven't written about the fact that Kevin Kramer's wife is on his campaign payroll and she is like, she does scheduling and stuff for him. Uh, she's been there, uh, for, for multiple election cycles at this point. I think I actually did write about it at one point. Uh, I really don't think that's a big deal. Anybody who's looked at Senator at, uh, Congressman Kramer's campaign finances, he really doesn't spend a lot on his campaigns, nor has he really had to, uh, given the fact that Democrats, um, Continue to run puff, you know, people who really have no chance of winning against him. So, anyway, what I did on Twitter, I actually tweeted him, uh, Natil, j- just to give you a heads up, I tweeted him our call-in number and said that if he would like to call in and be the first person from uh, Senator Heitkamp's campaign, including the candidate herself, to ever engage with me, uh, I'd be happy to have him on. So we'll see. He, maybe he'll call in. I would be delighted if he would call in. It would be it would be a delight to finally be able to talk to somebody from Senator Heitkamp's staff or or campaign. Because normally she likes to stick to just just doing interviews with people who aren't going to ask her any tough questions, who already largely agree with her. 
Uh, and, and there's nothing. I, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I think it gets a little drippy when she goes on her brother's radio show all the time and does all her big announcements there. But you know, whatever. Um, uh, you know. <laughs> So anyway, Sean, you're welcome to call in. Sean Higgins, you're welcome to call in. 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. I'm happy to talk about Congressman Kramer and his uh, his uh, campaign payroll, even though he's not actually running against Senator Heitkamp yet. We could certainly talk about that. We could talk about your candidate's fundraising and how she's getting so little money from North Dakotans and why that might be. Maybe there's a good explanation for it. She's got millions and millions of dollars in the bank. Most of it hasn't come from North Dakotans, but pretty much all of it's going to be spent on telling North Dakotans how to vote. Uh, I think that'd be a fun discussion to have. So let's have it. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. I'd love to hear from you. And you know what? I, I, I like the fact that Republicans in North Dakota all go on Senator Heitkamp's brother's radio show. They do. I don't, I don't think he generally has problems booking Republicans, maybe here and there, but for the most part, they all go on his show. And you know what? They should. He's a left-wing guy. I'm a right-wing guy. That's all right. We both have our worldviews. That's, that's okay. That's how this business works. I think Republicans should go on with their critics. And I think Senator Heitkamp should come on this show. That's what I think. What do you think, Natalia? I, I, think, I think Senator Heitkamp should come on this show and engage for once. I think it'd be nice. I, I really would appreciate that. I mean, not just because I think you should have the ability to to talk to her as well, but I would love a chance to speak with the Why senator not? as well. Yeah. Ask her some questions, open it up for our phones, let them ask some questions. You know, I, I don't think it does any good. I, I, I think one thing politicians, and I don't care, Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, Green Party, whatever they are, what they should never be allowed to do is dodge their, their critics. Right. They should never get to control the media to the point where the only people who get to ask them questions are sort of their hand picked people, because that's what that's what Senator Heitkamp kind of does. You know, not not entirely. She doesn't entirely get away with it, but she very carefully controls how she is covered and who she talks to. And I, I guess that's good politics. But I don't know. I feel like we should expect more from our public servants. We're paying her a lot of money to be a United States senator. She's going to spend a lot of other people's money. Um, to be to, to try to get another term as United States Senator, uh, I feel like it's something that she owes the public. So it, it'd be nice. It'd be nice if she did it just for one. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. What's funny is I've, I've clearly stricken a nerve with this issue because we got this letter to the editor uh, from, from, <laughs> from Minnesota uh, complaining that I write too much about Senator Heitkamp's out-of-state funding um, and now we have Senator Heitkamp's press secretary on Twitter. I've, I've clearly hit a nerve. The, the funny thing is, I'm not even sure that, that elections turn on this sort of thing. I think political dorks like me like to write about this stuff, like where the money comes from, in-state versus out-of-state. Uh, Byron Dorgan, Kent Conrad, Earl Pomeroy got elected for a lot of years and a lot of election cycles back in the day, getting 90-plus percent of their money from out-of-state. They just did. Now, that was a different era. I think you didn't have the digital media the way it is today, so the reporting on this stuff maybe wasn't quite as intense as it is today. But still, I don't even know how much North Dakotans care about this. I mean, maybe maybe they don't, right? I mean, I and certainly, you know, Congressman Kramer, Senator Hoven, I think at times probably put out reports where they get most of their money from out of state too. And sometimes it depends on where you're at in the election cycle. A lot of times, um, you know, the only people giving money 
uh, during off years in election cycles are sort of the big institutional type donors uh, who, if, if you're a liberal Democrat like Senator Heitkamp, mostly don't live in North Dakota. Most of those people do live in places like New York and California, where Senator Heitkamp got a lot of her individual contributions from. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know that it pretends anything about whether or not she can get reelected. I don't know if the electorate even cares about it. But I can tell you one thing. It got under their skin a little bit, which I think is is kind of funny. Uh, let's take a break. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. All right, let's switch gears here a little bit, Natil. What would what would you do if I what would you say if I told you that a public institution in North Dakota had spent sixteen thousand dollars on a consultant that only gave them verbal reports in 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 exchange? Uh, is this, this, you, is a, would, this is a public you, commission. This is a they spent public pu- public dollars? public in, public institution spending taxpayer dollars. Taxpayer dollars, and there's no record of anything. There's no document, no rope, no report, nothing. We don't know what the consultant was for. Well, we know what it was for. I mean, they they have a reason, they have a stated purpose, but they didn't produce like an actual report mm. on what every everything given back was verbal. Seems a little sketchy. That's what happened at the University of North Dakota. I think you heard. Oh, McFeely uh, was talking about this earlier this week. Uh, Phazon. Brian Faison, the athletics director at the University of North Dakota, re- uh, well, retired. Quote, unquote. Um, quote, unquote. Uh, sports reporter Tom Miller wasn't buying it. He had a column. I think the headline was literally, I'm not buying it. Um, and he, his, he supposes that maybe Faison was pushed out and that the university hired a consultant uh, to talk about leadership and that that was the prelude and, and now Faison's being pushed out. Now, What's interesting is he actually mentioned in his column, I quote, because because Miller asked, you know, what what is what is the report of from what this consultant did, right? Because you think you hire a consultant, they're going to kick out some sort of report saying we did this, we talked to this person, they said this, we said this, something to document what happened, right? Uh, Miller said you and he quotes UND as saying that there wasn't any. All feedback was done verbally. That's what Miller says. I read that quote from his column and I was incredulous. Right. I, I mean, I was what well, <laughs> that can't possibly be the case. So I sent in I, I actually contacted UND spokesman Peter Johnson uh, and he confirmed to me that it was true. Uh, he told me that there's a consulting firm called Murney and Associates. Uh, they were paid. They have been paid since July 1st of 2016 under a contract that you can read at sayanythingblog.com. dot uh, com have been paid twenty seven thousand eight hundred ninety one dollars and twelve cents. Uh, and again, that's since July 1, 2016, including $16,501.81 for work in the athletics department. And so I asked him, well, well, I mean, you know, Miller says there's no report. Is that true? Right. I mean, you're, you're telling me there, there's no report, no response, like after they did this consulting or this this whatever. And Peter Johnson told me that's correct. Now, he went on, and this is how he explains it. He said, I quote, the intent wasn't to create and deliver a report since this wasn't an evaluation. 
Uh, the intent wasn't to hire someone to come in, examine things, and then make a recommendation to management. The intent was to work with the participants on professional development. Now, that to me is a little hard to buy. In government, everything gets documented, right, for good reason. Government is essentially people paid by the taxpayers to then spend taxpayer money in pursuit of certain goals and objectives, right? And so in pursuit of those things, they document everything because when you're spending other people's money, you have to be accountable for how that money is spent. You have to be able to document, we spent this and we got this in return, right? We went to the furniture store and we bought an office desk and here's the office desk and here's the receipt for the office desk showing how much we spent. That's how it works. So when you hire a consultant to come in and do a bunch of work in the athletics department to talk to people and provide mentoring, you would expect to get some sort of a report back saying, we talked to these people. We highlighted these priorities. I mean, whatever that is, there's, there's got to be something. And you can't tell me that there's nothing, that there, there's just a verbal report. They just came back and verbally said, yeah, we went and talked to those people. I mean, what a great gig. I mean, if that's it, I would like to sign up and get that gig. Where I could just be like, okay, pay me $16,000. I'm going to go sit down and have a conversation with some people. And then I'm going to turn around and tell the people that hired me, okay, I had those conversations we talked about. And that's just it. That's just the whole job. There's no report. There's nothing out of that. I, it's, it's suspicious. So maybe there's a better explanation for why there's no report. And maybe that better explanation is because thanks to North Dakota's very broad, very strong open records laws, any sort of a report would probably leave a paper trail that could be detected by a well-written open records request. I, I, I don't know about the rest of you, but that seems like a much more likely explanation than this idea that, well, we didn't want to have a written report because it wasn't an evaluation and it, and it wasn't intended to be uh, uh, you know, produced for recommendations or anything like that. I'm sorry, you still got to document that what exactly the taxpayers received in exchange for more than $16,000 of their money. What's, what's funny is that the, the contract, if you read the contract, it actually mentions written reports in the contract. And apparently the University of North Dakota, and this decision is attributed to UND President Mark Kennedy, apparently they didn't want the reports. Why wouldn't they want the reports? Probably because the reports are open record. Which is just kind of amazing to me. And, and I think earlier this week I had a print column about the ways in which state government are, are taking pains. They're engaging in certain maneuvers to avoid accountability to the public, right? To, to avoid things becoming open record. I think there's another example of it with the State Board of Higher Education where in their review of Chancellor Mark Hagerot, in August, you know, they, they come and they give him a raise. Oh, you're doing a great job. Everything's, everything's wonderful and, 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 and skippy and rainbows and everything. But yet, just a month before that, they had an internal survey of staff that said that the chancellor is militaristic, that he's slamming books, that he's cursing, he's treating men differently than women, a lot of very serious allegations. None of that ends up in, in the chancellor's review just a month later. Now, everybody knows that those reviews happen, and those reviews are frequently the target of open records requests because, you know, reviews of our public officials are very much in the public interest. But nobody really knew that this other document, this survey, existed. In fact, I think the first time it became public was when I was tipped off to it, and I, I got a hold of it, and I published it, and I made it public more than a year later.
I, there's a disturbing trend because, again, North Dakota's open records laws are very, very strong. I mean, essentially everything in our state government, unless there is a specific statute written that exempts it from the public, everything in North Dakota government is a public record. That's essentially it. The, the default is everything's open. And then the only way to close it is there has to be a law that specifically allows the state agency or, or the state entity to withhold that information from the public. That's the way North Dakota's open records laws work, and it's very, very good. The problem is, is is that our public officials know that sometimes the stuff that they do might become public record. It might come under public scrutiny. And I think a lot of times what we're seeing is they're starting to do some of the ugly work behind closed doors, either up at U- University of North Dakota. They're apparently doing, you know, hiring consultants and producing no paperwork. Or they're doing stuff where in the, the very well-known, very commonly accessed uh, review public reviews, they're not airing any problems or any grievances. Instead, they're doing that privately in other documents, and, and they still left a paper trail, but it was a little bit harder to pick up on, as evidenced by the fact that it took a year for that survey of Chancellor, of, of, of Chancellor Hagerot's staff to become public. This is some of the sneaky stuff they're doing, and, and really, it's, it's, it's unacceptable. I wrote in my print column that public servants who aren't willing to do the public's business in public are not worthy of public service. And I stand by that. I believe that. If you're not willing, because I get it, sometimes it's tough to do your job with literally everyone in the public looking over your shoulder. But you know what? Tough. You want to be in the spotlight? You want to hold these prestigious public offices? That comes with the job. Do your business in public. That's it for the first hour. We'll be right back after this. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. The Rob Report. The Rob Report. On 970 WDAY. The Rundown. All right, Natio, what's in the headlines? All right, we got a lot of headlines to get through today, so we're going to start off with a pretty big one on the federal level. Federal judge refuses to erase Joe Arpaio's conviction despite Trump's pardon. All right, I, I'm going to need some more details on this. So, oh, yes. is, like, like, is he just refusing to erase it from the record, or yes, he is. He's refusing to sweep the criminal record clean despite a presidential pardon. So, so basically, because basically the pardon means Arpaio's not, like he's he's not going to get. He's he's not going to be charged. He's not going to be charged or have to like. He's not going to get the punishment or anything. Yeah, he's not right? going to have to face a consequence okay. for. But but the record that that he was convicted or whatever is still going to be out there, right? Yes. Well, what's the big deal? I mean, whether he erases it or not. I mean, is that normally the case when? Because I always thought like if you get pardoned, I mean, it's not. I, I, I guess well, I and maybe maybe I'm not understanding how a pardon works, but I normally I would think that when you get pardoned, it basically means you don't get punished, but it doesn't mean you're like innocent. Like, yes, like and, the president's not like saying he's innocent. He's saying I mean that's what, really what a pardon is. I mean pardon means like you're excused. It's not saying he didn't do it. It's saying he's excused from having done it, like excused from the consequences, basically. Exactly, and that you're exactly right in that presidential pardons typically forgive a person for a, a federal crime but don't retroactively scrub the record right. clean right. from, from the court it, system. But the former sheriff's attorneys have argued that because of the timing, the ruling in the case should be thrown out. 
So it, it has no technical significance for his situation, but his attorneys have uh, told the Washington Post that it's a matter of clearing his name. So I guess people are a little bit upset then it's the the pardon wasn't good enough blah 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 personally i think you should just be happy that he got the pardon uh, yeah I, I mean listen they're they're asking they want their cake and they want to eat it too i mean this is um i just i just that just seems dumb like that's what a pardon is the pardon is you are pardoned from the consequences for whatever you did but it's not you didn't do it it's not we're going to expunge from the record, uh, you know, the, 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 and, and nor should. I mean, we should still understand that those proceedings should still be part of the record. They should all be there uh, along with the president's pardon. And even if it's not part of the record, we all know what happened. It's certainly going to be part of, you know, every, you know, the, the archives of every news agency that covered it. So, Well, and apparently this question was fairly novel. It hadn't ever really come up before as to how far a presidential pardon actually reaches. No. So this this uh, U.S. District Judge Susan Bolton wrote it in a four-page offering a check on the president's executive power and wrote that a pardon could not erase the facts of a case. I mean, it, yeah. it does what it says on the tin, but it can't do more than that. Right. And the the fact that all of this has come up over a contempt of court and a possibility of up to six months in jail just strikes me like four pages on all of that. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, it's it the whole thing is is a stupid thing. I I'm not a Sheriff Arpaio fan at all. Uh and I guess um, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I agree with the judge. The pardon, you know, the president did his pardon, but that doesn't expunge from the record, you know, what happens. Exactly. So, all right. What's next? Did you know that sports could be bad for your health? Probably sitting around on the couch eating like potato chips all day and drinking soda and watching sports is probably not good for your that's health. Ex- huh? That's exactly the key word there. Watching sports is like taking a ride on a wild roller coaster with lots of up and downs. And, you know, super fans know that if you're if you're watching a Yankees game, right. for example, Rob, and they're doing if really it's, well. If it's exhilarating, like your team's down and then they come back and then you're you're high and then there's a bad call and you're down again. I, yeah, you're up and down, up and down. They're saying that's bad for you. Yeah, it actually could impact your cardiovascular health. It's bad for your heart. Um, the the increase in your pulse rate actually can cause intense emotional uh, stress, and that can trigger what? adverse health effects. I thought, like, elevating your pulse rate was good for you. Like, I thought you were supposed to do that for a certain amount of time every day. Not when it comes as the result of an increase in stress. Okay. Because the the increase in your heart rate when it combined with the the chemicals and things like that are that are released in uh, response to stress is what helps cardiovascular problems develop. Okay, so what? So what's? I mean, what's the upshot from this then? Like, like we can't do exciting things. No, the the upshot is basically you know if if you're very passionate about a sports team, be aware of how intense your emotion you're letting your emotions get when you're watching a game and temper them if you're starting to, to do things like i don't know feel heart palpitations okay yeah that yeah. <laughs> well yes if you're feeling chest pains calm the hell down right <laughs> so i you know i i don't people people do get way too carried away with sports and, and listen i mean I, I i mean there's exciting moments and i'll shout and pump my fist with everybody else or if the ump makes a bad call i'll shout and uh with that you know with the best of them but 
I mean, some people remember there was that trend. I think was it after after one of the Super Bowls where there was like YouTube videos of people like trashing their televisions. Oh yeah, after and, a big loss, you remember that? Yeah, and after a big a big Super Bowl win or a big Super Bowl loss, you know, at least some of those are fake. There's but, videos uh, of people in the streets walking on top of cars and all sorts of stuff like that. I mean, just, if, just, if your emotions are getting that intense about sports, right. not only not only does common sense say you maybe need to calm down a little bit, but science says it's probably bad for your heart. Right. I, I never understood that our team just won the Super Bowl. Let's burn our city down. Like I, I don't. <laughs> right? What are you doing? <laughs> it's absolutely I ridiculous. I like again. I love baseball. I think it's it's one of the best things in my life. I like. I love it. But I am not gonna like vandalize my home if my team loses. That's just not gonna happen. Fair enough. Speaking of things that are absolutely ridiculous, Rob, if you were governor of a fictitious state somewhere. What would what would you feel your state's main asset would be that you may need to keep a lock and key on? Uh, I don't know. Like, would uh, if if you were if you were probably to, probably like the taxpayers' money, I, I think would be pretty important. I don't I don't know. Or maybe like I don't know, oil or something like that. If, if okay, you had, sure. Like our yeah. yeah Although if, I mean, it depends on. The, I mean. I would hope that I'm not living in a tyrannical state, a dictatorship where the government owns all the oil. This isn't Russia, like you're well, North Dakota. No, but private if, interests own the oil. And, if you feel if you feel like you've got to protect something as a state, yeah. it's probably going to be something like you know an, an asset that brings a lot of money into sure. your state, oil or sure. something like that, or like intellectual property or something like research. You know, at, at the universities, like you know, they have research yeah, and findings go. and stuff they want to keep. Yeah, okay, those, okay. Yeah. Those are those are other types of things. Hawaii, however, is facing an epidemic of thieving of spam. Wait, like like the emails or no, the like meat? the canned ham. The can- All right, explain this. <laughs> this is this is ridiculous. So last month, um, there was a Safeway customer who saw a man grab eight cases of spam and head for the door. Elsewhere on the island at about the same time, three women loaded up on 18 cases of it. A shop at a downtown mall in Honolulu wasn't so lucky who grabbed a case of spam and punched a security guard who attempted to stop him. There's now a $1,000 reward out for his arrest. Is there like a spam shortage? I mean, why are people raiding spam supplies? It's not a shortage. There's a spam black market in Hawaii. Okay, well, yeah, well, black markets come from shortages, though. I mean, why does there have to be a black market? Why can't I'm pretty sure I could go to the grocery store right now and just buy some spam and it wouldn't be that expensive. It's, it's basically retail crime i mean like the 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 idea is that there's not enough there's not enough supply to meet the demand but the demand is being increased because of the existence of this black market so people feel like they can't get enough of the spam okay sure and they they eat it apparently on everything they'll eat spam fried rice spam and eggs a korean spam stew and so this is the problem they're having is there's not enough spam and is there some reason there's not enough spam getting to the island? Like, I mean, is there did did, did, did the USS spam go down in the Pacific <laughs> or something? What happened? Uh, I I don't see anything in the article about that. At least not that I'm noticing right now. Well, I guess uh, yeah. But um, I, that, that's that's the funny thing about black markets. I there, there's really a sort of economic lesson here about like perceptions of things in the in the marketplace because scarcity 
can drive up. I mean, not, not, I mean, obviously you have the relationship between supply and demand, right? Which, which has an impact on mm-hmm. price. If you have high demand and low supply, prices go up. Uh, and then if you create a situation where it's prohibitive to get it, then you could create black markets, which have even more exorbitant prices to, to facilitate your access to the item. But then there's also like a, like a perception part of that, right? Where you, you'll see this sometimes with certain products where they won't, and I'm trying to think of a good example, but they just won't make very many of them. Like they'll manufacture scarcity in order to to create the perception that having one of these products is prestige, right? And then with that prestige, they could charge more money. And I don't know that anybody is, is doing that with spam, um, but but it is interesting that, that people are now perceiving spam as being so much more valuable in Hawaii because I, I guess it's hard to get. Well, and the the other thing about this is that the people that are putting it on the black market are doing so relatively safely because a thief can make off with a, about 300 cans of spam before they risk any felony charges because it's so inexpensive. So, 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 so that's the thing. That's the thing is that they're stealing the spam and selling it because there's apparently enough markup in spam that they can make some money, right? They could steal yes. it undercut the grocery store and make a little money and they can and they can make the money and they can do it without ending up with a felony charge i mean if you get caught and charged with misdemeanor theft whatever i guess you know that's on your record but you're probably not going to go to jail for you know it. how the retail stores fix this forget about arresting these idiots right because that's a futile endeavor i mean these are <laughs> morons who have decided to go into the business of illicit spam um so arresting these idiots isn't going to change anything just make more spam available Bring uh, well, in more the, spam, drive down the price. If they don't, if there's not a marketplace for it, they'll quit doing it. The current option is that they're locking up all of the spam. Great. So now <laughs> it's like buying Sudafed. Yeah, it like, is. It you is. have to you, go and you like, have to ask we, an employee to bring you the spam <laughs> because it's locked up. Who wants spam that badly? Apparently, everyone in Hawaii. Oh God. All right, well, we'll hit one more here before we have to go. This one's not quite as funny, which is a little sad. Maybe we should have saved spam for last. Global pollution is the world's biggest killer and a threat to the survival of mankind, study uh, says. Yeah, studies say a lot of things. They I, really You know, I, I actually read this. Most of the deaths that they're talking about are in places like India and China, which obviously have very large yep. impoverished populations that are living in not very good conditions, and so well, and the, that's and the pollution probably a is lot, a lot of worse it. out there. Yeah, um, yeah, because I mean they don't have you know the same sort of responsible development that we have like here in the United mm-hmm. States. Um, I, I don't know though. I always get a little suspicious because I was looking at that, and even in in America, they were attributing like I think like a hundred and fifty some thousand deaths to pollution, and I always think that's really complicated, like how you how you make a value judgment that a death is attributable to one specific cause, right? Like if you get if you get run over by a bus and you die, the bus killed you. That's pretty that's pretty. But if you're like generally an unhealthy person and then you die, like what was it? Was it all the cheeseburgers that you were eating for every meal? Was it the fact that you smoked six packs a day or was it the coal plant down the street? I mean, there's a lot of variables in here. I think stuff like that's hot. I'm always very suspicious when I see cuz that's a very provocative point that they're making. And I'm guessing it's probably a little bit more complicated than that. We got to wrap it up, though. We got to go to a break. We do. All right. That's it. Let's uh, take us out, Natil. All right. We'll be back to the Rob Report here in just a few minutes on 970 WDAY AM and 93.1 FM. And that's The Rundown.
Welcome back, Rob Report. Have a short break. We went a little wrong with the rundown. The we spam had a little thing. Chatty about the spam. Spam completely derailed it. I'm still <laughs> laughing that people in Hawaii apparently now have to like go and I mean, do they have to like sign a list? I wonder. Like, do you have to put your name on a list that you got the spam? Are there limits to how much spam you can buy so that you're not feeding the black market? I have no idea. I'm, you can, I'm, you can I'm, only I'm, buy I'm, four th- cans of spam today. The nerd in me is just completely fascinated about the economic dynamics. I'm gonna have to. I'm. I am literally gonna spend my Friday afternoon now researching this so that I can understand well, the dynamics at play. Because why? Why aren't they just bringing in more spam and killing off the black market? Like our spam supply is limited. I don't know, and maybe it's expensive to to get the spam to Hawaii. Is there Hawaii a spam tax? I will. Is, I would, is, is, is Hawaii taxing the spam and I, driving up the cost? I don't know. I would bet that there's not like a spam factory in Hawaii, so they have to bring it in on ship or something like that. That's and, what happens, like with tobacco taxes. Like when like when Minnesota raises raises their tobacco cigarette tax, you start seeing all sorts of of cigarettes flowing from North Dakota yep, into yep. Minnesota, bootlegging. I mean, you see that with states all around. I mean, people. The ability of the government sometimes to implement policy is is not as easy. And I'm not saying that there's a spam tax or anything, but there's markets are dynamic things. And the way they react is somehow sometimes very unexpected. We're going to take another break. We'll be right back. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Hey, what are you streaming on Netflix right now? What's got your attention? What are you binge watching? Let's have a conversation about it because I need some recommendations for the weekend. We'll be right back. Don't go away. I guess we're not getting away from the spam topic yet, Natil. It's never going to end. It's Rob Reporter, 970 WDY, AM 93.1 FM, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. During our rundown, uh, we got news out of Hawaii that apparently there's some sort of a black market in Hawaii, and people are stealing spam from the stores in order to service that black market uh, to the point where you've now got to, like, get the spam from, like, behind the counter, like you're buying a bottle of hooch or something. Uh <laughs> Which is just a weird, and then Michael emails me and says, uh, "Just a little fact: spam goes into the can in liquid form." Ugh. Gross. Oh man, that is not news that I needed to be aware of, Michael. Please, and and by the way, don't Google it. <laughs> Did you Google it? Did you? Google I Googled it. it. <laughs> oh man, I that was a mistake. Stuff I'm not. I found some stuff that I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna unsee. Uh, all right. Hey, uh, you know, earlier this week I was talking about how the, the fragmentation of the media in teal, like, because there's so many different ways for us to be entertained now. Like it used to be, there were just a few TV channels, right? And everybody watched what was on those channels. And for the most part, we all had sort of shared experiences because of that, because the media was very monolithic. Uh, and it's not like that anymore. I mean, the news media is not like that anymore. The entertainment media is not like that um i mean you can stream you can watch over the air broadcast tv you can you can, I mean, there's so many different things you could do and i worried that we don't really have those shared experiences anymore uh except that we kind of do it's called netflix everybody watches netflix everybody it seems has a netflix subscription uh and i have some free time what is everybody watching on netflix i'd like to hear um what's what's good on netflix because it seems like there's always some hidden gems out there that are really, really good to watch. Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it'd be, let's, I'm, I'm tired of talking about politics. I'm, I'm tired of, of everything else. I want to have a little fun. 
What's everybody streaming on Netflix? 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. I want to hear what you're watching. Uh, Natil, what, what have you been watching lately? You've been binging anything in particular? Well, the, obviously, the obvious one I have to ask about is whether or not you've watched Stranger Things. Oh, yeah, yeah, I watched the first season. Okay, I watched good. it. Because the second I think season the weekend is coming. It came out. The weekend it came out, I was going to watch a couple episodes. I ended up watching every single one. Like, we stayed up all night and watched it. Yeah, it's, it really, it's really hard not to just... It, it just sucked us in. It uh, was really good. Stranger Things 2 is coming out... Soon. Couple, is it this month? I think so. And maybe not so, October, So, like, in a week or so here. I don't know if it's October or November, but it's coming out soon. That's a really good show. Anything else? Like, like what? How about how about things that are actually? What's what's the last thing you binged on Netflix? Oh, the last thing that I binged on Netflix. Gosh, that's it's hard to say because I've been I've been binging on Hulu lately because I've been. I started, oh, Hulu too. Hulu's fine. Yeah, I started watching the new season of Hell's Kitchen. That's still on the air. Yeah, no. I love Gordon Ramsay. I really Gordon love Ramsay Gordon is Ramsay. great. Gordon Ramsay is fantastic. I I nobody does just enraged like gordon ramsay does well but the thing about it is that he's he only gets like that enraged when he's dealing with people that should know better like people that own a restaurant and have moldy food in their kitchen or when somebody comes on a show about being the best chef ever and puts cheese on top of fish What's what's the one where all the chefs were um, a master chef? Yeah, That's master chef. He he so, kind of goes back and forth between like being upset on master chef and being very very encouraging. So the the kids version of master chef, master chef I really like. He's so good I, with the kids. He's so good with the kids. And the thing about it is like he's not. I think it would be very easy if you're that passionate about something because that's clearly where it's coming from, right? He oh, is absolutely. Passionate because about he's this passionate stuff, about and about he's cooking. upset. And I think that's what I mean. A lot of people who are like that, you'd kind of think they're a little bit of an of an a hole, right? I mean, you would think that they're a little bit of a of a jerk. Um, but I don't think I don't think he's like that. I think it comes from a place of I want you to be better at this, and you should be better at this. Uh, and I'm not going to take any excuses. You know, you want you say you want to pursue excellence. Well, here's how it's done. I, there's a lot to admire about that. As somebody who has taken. Uh, you know, his his chosen art form, you know, cooking, and just elevated it the way he has. Absolutely. Um, and in, in shows like uh, Kitchen Nightmares, which I've also binged all of in existence, I love. That's so cause good. Because I, I just love, I love Gordon Ramsay. I can't, I can't I like help the, myself. Um, but. I like the, the Netflix version of of, of um, Kitchen Nightmares doesn't bleep the curse. I love it so much. It's so much better to watch it on Netflix because when you watch it on Hulu, they still bleep everything. Yeah. Um, I like it on Netflix because you can actually hear the cursing. And I don't know. I just like watching people get called like donkey and stuff. Like that's just. <laughs> my favorite thing in the world is to hear him say bland because nothing sounds like it's a bland. bigger insult in the entire world than Gordon Ramsay telling you that something is bland. <laughs> it's, it's like it's 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 almost like he's saying you failed your children. right? Like you, have, you, you have failed your children and your children's children and you your have children's failed society. Dog. You are a black mark on history. Yeah. No, he <laughs> wow. He um, can make you feel bad. I guess right before right before I came back to work after uh my surgery recovery, I binge watched the first season of American Horror Story. Okay. Have you seen I watched the first couple seasons of that? Okay. I watched like I I was told that the next seasons aren't very good. I, I've kind of I kind of drifted away, I guess. I, I don't know why. It's, it's a really hard show when you have kids. That's a hard show to watch when kids are running around. Oh, yeah, I can see that. There's so many shows that you have to watch 
<laughs> after the kids go to bed because you know they get a little raunchy. Or well, yeah, but now you've now you've got that particular flavor. And this time. weekend, I don't have that problem, and I want uh, what's what's the last thing I need recommendations for this weekend because I'm without kids. So I need recommendations on what to binge from the audience. What's the last thing you binged on? Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, whatever it is. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. You know, the last show that I binged, and it's 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 a fun, quirky little show. It's out of Great Britain. It's called Detectorists. Oh, I'm Have not familiar with that one. You, you got to watch it. It is, um, it follows a group, and they live in, like, rural England. Um and they've got all these just wonderful British accents, but it's it's about like a metal detecting club, oh, right? Cool. So it's like these bunch of nerds, like these these history nerds, who are out and you know th- what they aspire to are like these great archaeological finds, historical finds, right? Yeah, they want to find, yeah. and they want to find like gold. They want to find important things, and they care very very much about the history, you know. The problem is, is most of what they find is like trash, right? Like old soda cans and yeah. pull tops and stuff. And so it's this this nerdy club, but it's also like the interplay of the characters and they have life drama and everything else. It's funny. Um, it's heartfelt. I don't know. Like I, I started watching it. I think the episodes are like 20, 22 minutes long. So they're not very long episodes. There's two seasons on. I think there's a third season coming. It was just great. It was just wonderful. It was funny. I laughed. Um, you know, it's touching. Uh, there's there's a scene where one of the characters is, you know, a, a daughter uh, that he knew existed, but she didn't know he existed, comes back into his life. And it's just kind of heartbreaking. The whole show is just it's wonderful. I it's and the thing is, I, I just started watching it on a on a whim, I, which is sort of the funny thing about Netflix is like you're scrolling along and you're seeing all these shows. And there's so many out there that are just turn out like you've never heard of them and they just turn out to be wonderful. Right. Um, so de- detectorists. That was a very good one. Detectorists. I'm I'm sh- I'm guessing you have, but have you seen Black Mirror? I have. Okay. Very good. Um if and I know this this isn't probably going to fit for your weekend free of children, but if you're looking for something that's got sort of that heartfelt feeling to it, watch The Great British Baking Show. The Great British British Baking Show. The Great British Baking Show. It's right. an annual baking competition for um, home bakers in Britain. And my, the, my, my, my like of Gordon Ramsay may have distorted your perception of my interest in cooking shows. No, it's, it's, really, it's really interesting because I'm, just from like an a intellectual point of view, it's really interesting to see the difference between an American reality show and a British reality show and how, right. they, how they differ. And it's like the, the people that come on to this show are so nice and just they, they make you love them and you want them to succeed. I just, right. I, I really, and uh, that's one that you can watch with the family because I will, I will, I will check it out. You, your assignment this weekend is to check out the Tetris. How's okay. That? I think and I can, we can report I can back that. Monday. I can do that. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's take a break. I want your recommendations. What's the last thing uh, that you binge watched? 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com or tweet me at Rob Port. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report, last segment. I'm, I'm disappointed that Senator Heitkamp's press secretary uh, de- apparently didn't acknowledge my invitation to call into the show today. They were upset about 
uh, my post today about the Center High Camp's third quarter fundraising. Ninety-seven percent of our itemized individual contributions from out of state, uh, following up on similar percentages from previous quarters this year. Uh, got more money in itemized individual contributions from Goldman Sachs employees than she got from North Dakotans. So, um, I don't know. It would be nice if 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 the senator or someone from her staff would engage with a critic just once. Just come on the show. It won't be that bad. I'll be fair. You know, I'm not a fan, Senator Heitkamp, but I'll be fair. Anyway, we were talking about uh, what to watch. Uh, you know, you know what I'm actually. I, I think one thing that I'm I'm going to try to tune into, and I actually got this recommendation from uh, Stephen King's Twitter feed, which is why I watched. Despite um, I find his politics obnoxious, but uh, Stephen King tweets out really good like book book recommendations and stuff. Uh, he recommended the new Netflix show about FBI profilers. It's called Mindhunter. Have you seen this? I have not. Yeah, it's um, it popped. I see. I it popped up already on my on my Netflix queue. Um, I it looks really good. It's about sort of the FBI's profiling efforts and serial killers, which I I mean I realize that subject matter that's been done to death, like the whole profiling and and all that stuff. Like it's been covered a lot, but. I, my understanding is that this is supposed to be, uh, you know, really sort of a sort of a real life thing of like how all of that came to be, like like the development of profiling at the FBI and how they used it like early on to to solve some some early like serial killer cases. Um, really really interesting stuff. I so I don't know. I I think that's uh, it's been done to death, but supposedly this is pretty pretty fresh look at it. So I'm interested in that. Um. Any other uh, recommendations, Zatil, besides the Great Baking, uh, Great British Baking? Is that it? The Great British Baking Show. It's a really good show. I swear to high heaven, it's wonderful. All right. Um, how, about, how about another? How about another one that's not cooking related? Well, I'm trying to think. I haven't really watched any like weird sci-fi shows or anything like that recently. Why? At least. Why? Why are you assuming that that's that I'm just into weird sci-fi shows? Like, why is that? Well, I was assuming that you'd be into sci-fi shows because you're interested in reading. Well, I mean, I am, but fiction. I don't understand why you just gotta like, oh, like the, narrow me down. No, I, the, I've the got broad say, taste in the teal. The, the reason I say weird is because I, you know, I could recommend things like Serenity and Firefly and Battlestar Galactica, and these are things that you've those. all already seen. Yeah. So <laughs> I can't, I can't recommend those to you. I've seen those. You know what's funny? I, I think one of my favorite insults of all time in all the years I've been doing this, writing about politics, obviously, I mean, if you do this job, people are going to insult you, right? Because that's just some people are childish, and when they hear a point of view that they don't like, they resort to insults. Because, And, and usually that's a product of not being smart enough to offer like a coherent rebuttal, and so instead they, they call you stupid. Um, somebody in, in, in the context of me supposedly being – uh, not having enough empathy for the the for, for some group I I, I forget I, I even forget what the policy debate about somebody called me a toaster a toaster like a toaster like from Galactica's like from Battlestar Galactica like supposedly I was like a, I was like a robot I guess a toaster I got I called it. a toaster I was so delighted I wasn't even insulted I was so delighted at the reference and understanding the cultural reference um I was just delighted by it I was gonna get like a T-shirt with a toaster on it I thought that would have been awesome. One of my favorite insults of all time. It's a great insult. It's a great insult. I liked it. I I like to classify the insults that people uh, cast at me. You know, I mean, a lot of them are, you know, 
pretty rote. Like, I, I think a favorite one about bloggers is, like, you live in your mom's basement, right? Oh, you live in your mom's basement, right? First of all, my mother doesn't have a basement. <laughs> Second of all, no, I don't live in my mother's basement. But you hear that all the time. It's just kind of like, you see, you kind of grade them. Like, I, I feel like I should I should issue back, like, ratings of, like, the insults of me. Like, when people insult me, I could give them, like, a score. You know, like, you live in your mom's basement. Eh, that's a two. Not very original. You could do better. Uh, or you call me a toaster. Hey, that's a nine. That's pretty creative. I'm impressed. I like it. I, I feel like I feel like it'd be a lot more fun if we did that. Like, call in, insult me, and then I'll grade your insult. I think I could be fair. I think I could be objective in that, don't you, Natil? I think we could have a lot of fun with that. Insult your host. Insult the blogger. And uh, I'll grade it. All right, we got some recommendations coming in on email uh, for some humor. American Vandal—that's that, the one where it's like a send-up of uh, making a murderer, right? I oh, think is that on what Netflix. It is? Yeah, I think it's a send-up of making of uh, American Van. I, I think that's what it is. Uh, that looks funny. Uh, Dwayne emails Sons of Anarchy, uh, Homeland, and rewatching Game of Thrones. Um, I've seen all of those. I'm not really in the mood. I, I understand rewatching; those are all good shows. Uh, but I'm not. I'm not in the mood to rewatch something. I kind of want something new. Uh, another emailer says, last year we decided to get rid of Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime. We kept cable TV and the internet, but restricted to five hours a week total. As a result, great, uh, kids' grades improved, as did attitudes and social skills. Uh, well, uh, good for you. I don't have cable. I just went with just streaming. And, yeah, we limit the amount we're doing it. But My this response is for me. to the email is, I don't care. I want to binge. I, well, great. Good for you. I'm an this adult. This weekend, I'm binging. This, I'm an adult. This is how I'm spending my weekend. <laughs> Like uh, how, how I will spend my weekend playing as many video games as I can possibly stuff into 48 hours. Chris emails, I highly recommend the en- Enfield Mystery on Hulu. Enfield Mystery. Not Great acting with that and intrigue, one. he says. I've never heard of that one. I'm going to have to look that up. Uh, let's see. Another emailer says, I would binge watch episodes of Father Brown uh, and see how many times you guess who's guilty. What, who's, what's Father Brown? I've never even heard of that. Must be some sort of a detective show. Must be. That must be an older show. I've never heard of that one. I'm going to look that up. Uh, let's see. Kevin emails. Uh, check out the Viking series or Black Sails. I started watching Black Sails, uh, and it, it, it seemed a little gratuitous for me. And, and I think a lot, because what was that? Black Sails, it's the pirate show. What was it? Was that on, like, Stars or Showtime? Uh, it had to have been one of those, because it's not it wasn't HBO. HBO. Those shows, like HBO and all of them, are a little gratuitous with like the nudity and the violence sometimes. And I'm not a prude; like I don't, I don't mind it. But sometimes it's like pretty clearly the softcore porn aspect of it is sort of. And I got that feeling from Black Sales. Not to insult the uh, the recommendation, but I don't know. It seemed a little gratuitous to me. The Viking series is one I got to check out. That's from the History Channel. Isn't yeah, and it? I've heard really good things about that. That does look good. Especially since I am descendant of Vikings, so. Oh, I probably yeah. am too. My uh, grandmother and grandfather were 100% Norwegian and Swedish, respectively. I'm going to blow your mind on the way out here. Did you know that Bluetooth was named after a Viking king? What? I love it. Harold Bluetooth. You know the Bluetooth symbol? Yes. That's his name in rune runes. Look it up. It's the truth. Jay Thomas Show, straight ahead. You can always catch me here 12 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday or 24 hours a day, seven days a week at SayAnythingBlog.com. Thanks for listening.